So, I mean, it ranges between, you know, I would say $4,000 a year for some of our products to somewhere like $15,000, $20,000 a year for some of our products. But if I had to like just take an average across all of our customers, all of our paying customers right now, I would say it's between six dollars to $7,000 a year. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Kalyan Varma. He strongly believes that technology should work towards improving human relationships instead of replacing them. The ability to bring communities together and benefit all stakeholders is what drives us. He's been personally impacted by the lack of scholarships. And with AlmaBase now, he's helping institutions make their education more accessible. Kalyan, you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. All right. So what is AlmaBase? So which school did you go to, Nathan? Virginia Tech. Okay. How many times did you get asked for a donation after that, after you graduated? Uh, I, I, I put them on my spam folder. <laughs> there you go. That's the story of like so many of us. So that's what we really help improve. I think the, the big issue here is that universities don't do a good job of maintaining a good relationship with their alumni. It's always one-way traffic. Just ask for donations all the time once you graduate. But obviously, you know, student debt is increasing. Um, you know, donations are going down, which is a huge problem for universities. That's what we help solve. So we help universities build really strong, lifelong, you know, give and take, you know, very strong relationships uh, with their alumni. And the value prop is obviously that we help them increase alumni participation. So more and more alumni give back to the university. Are you taking a cut of donations done through your platform or is it just a SaaS model? It's a SaaS model primarily, but we've been recently uh, over the last I would say 12 months or so, we've uh, started making some revenue out of the cut of the donations as well. So we'll come back to that in a second. If we just focus on the SaaS side for now, what's the average university paying you per month or per year to use the tech? So, I mean, it ranges between, you know, I would say $4,000 a year for some of our products to somewhere like $15,000, $20,000 a year for some of our products. But if I had to like just take an average across all of our customers, all of our paying customers right now, I would say it's between six to seven thousand dollars a year okay got it something like six hundred seven hundred five hundred six hundred per month yeah that's about right we only do annual contracts so we only count uh, arr okay and what are they why would someone pay sort of four thousand for a year versus ten thousand for a year what are you upselling against 
Sure. So we have three different solutions. Primarily, one helps with purely like fundraising, uh, so digital fundraising uh, solution. And then we have one specifically focused on alumni events, virtual and in-person events. And then we have a solution which is primarily around building a community of alumni online for any university or, or high school. So the community product is a little more expensive. That's, so that's, again, depending on the size of your alumni, anywhere between $8,000 to like $15,000, $20,000 a year, the fundraising and the event solution come in at about $3,000, $4,000 a year to start with, uh, along with like a transaction fee for every donation or event uh, ticket purchase. When did you launch this idea? What year? So this, I mean, the startup was officially formed in uh, 2014. Uh, that's when we actually started our base. But the idea, the seed of the idea really happened in about 2007 or so. So, you know, I, I'm from India. I went to school in India. And this happened with me where, you know, some of my classmates and friends had to like drop out of school midway during my junior year, junior year um, right? And then that's what really led to me sort of starting a nonprofit at that point, which basically reached out to all of our alumni, raised money. Uh, and then I graduated, joined Goldman Sachs for a full-time job, did that for a few years. But I was always running this on the side along with a friend of mine. Um, and that's really when over those years where we were raising money from alumni of our institution, we realized that not just at our college, but you know, institutions globally, the relationship between alumni and their alma mater is just based on loyalty and not like a true relationship, which is where we realized that this needs to get fixed. And that's how we started Alma Base in uh, 2014. 2014. And do you remember the first customer? Can you tell us that story? <laughs> that was actually my alma mater. So we started with, uh, you know, uh, selling in India because we, when we started, we, it was really uh, naive. I mean, we said, everybody in the US has already figured out how to do alumni relations and we're going to do this for India. So we were like, let's just bring the best ideas from the US and implement it in India. <laughs> we unfortunately did that for about uh, three years, um, sold to pretty much all of the top tier institutions in India. And Name then we were like, okay, where do we? So we have Bits Pilani, we have IIT Bombay, we have Pan IIT, um, you know, Christ University, et cetera. So some of these top tier institutions in India but then we had nowhere to go after that. So then we were like, okay, um, you know, there's a much bigger opportunity uh, in the U.S. So that's when we started shifting focus to the U.S. roughly in like mid-2017 or so. Mm -hmm. And how many customers do you have today? So today, in terms of paying customers, we have 240 uh, institutions. Uh, a majority of them are in the U.S. About 90, 92% of them are in the U.S., um, roughly a half and half split between um, independent schools and uh, higher education. And are you seeing people more reliant on you during COVID or less? I mean, so it's interesting because our existing customers, have, there's been no churn at all. So, you know, there's, they've seen a bigger need for our base during these times, but also, uh, you know, reduction in tuition fees and, you know, fundraising during this time means that there's less budget for new purchases. So, yeah. I mean, renewals has, have been great. Uh, sales is not as fast as we would have liked it to be. Mm. Okay. And and origin story here. It sounds like you were at Goldman for a bit. Was Goldman right before 2014? So I was at Goldman for three years right after I graduated. So 2008 to 2011. So I literally joined Goldman Sachs during the peak of that recession. Uh, I was there till 2011. 2011, I actually started an e-commerce company um, because I thought that's what I was going to be interested in. 2011, India e-commerce was a big deal. Um, ran that for about three years. Again, that was, again, very focused on social impact, primarily from a 
So I started an e-commerce marketplace, which would basically sell products that are being manufactured by nonprofits only. So every store, every product would have a story behind it. And that was the unique sort of angle to it, as opposed to just a product and a price and then you buy it. Then really didn't take off, uh, didn't get the traction that I would have liked. And then 2014, I sort of switched to sort of starting Almobase. That's been an idea that I've had forever. And have you bootstrapped Almobase? That's an interesting uh, story. I do say we are bootstrapped, but we did raise a little bit of money up front, um, you know, between that 2014 and 2017 phase where we weren't really uh, sure of what we were doing. We did raise uh, some money uh, from angel investors, again, alumni of my own alma mater, as well as uh, 500 startups, the accelerator program in uh, the Bay Area. How much? So we did raise a little bit of money. Uh, the total money we've raised uh, is about 500K uh, okay. during that time. But what's interesting is during that whole three years where we raised 500K, we didn't really add a lot in terms of ARR. But then we've been bootstrapped since then. We raised a little bit of debt um, in the last couple of years from Lighter Capital. Um, we raised, I think, 250K uh, in debt um, so far from Lighter Capital. And, and when, uh, no more when, did you, when did you raise that debt? So we raised uh, 100K in uh, 2018. Um, and then... Uh, 150k uh, during like December of 2019 or like closed in Jan 2020 so about now 6 you, months ago you're from Golden, Goldman so I'm expecting you to be able to explain this very clearly so that anyone can understand it how does a lighter capital rbf revenue based financing work it's pretty simple actually i mean in the sense that um, you don't need to put any collateral up front it's revenue based financing so they give you a certain amount of money based on how much revenue you have and what what are the projections etc so it's a fairly safe bet from their side as well so we are we are doing it at 40% uh, you know over 3 years so for example if we raise 100k we're repaying 140k and the way the repayment works is it's a cut or it's a percentage of monthly cash receipt right so if you let's say in a certain month let's say we get 100k in cash we pay 9K, 10K, something like that. And then it goes down over a period of time in terms of the percentage of the cash flow, et cetera. So it's a fairly straightforward instrument. Folks, as you know, 2020 continues to deliver surprise after surprise after surprise. We're not sure where we're living. We're not sure where we're going back to work. Everything's sort of up in the air, which means getting things done digitally is what's most important. In fact, we're very excited. We're launching a new podcast based on our dealer bust format, and I needed a quick way to get some designs done for the logo. So I used Fiverr. And the reason I use Fiverr is because it's not worth it for me to pay a full-time designer three or 4,000 bucks a month to join our GitLab a team full time. So I use Fiverr to knock this sort of stuff out quickly. We also, as you know, do a lot of data, data processing and podcast editing, which Fiverr enables me to do very quickly. I put in the task and I can find talent that can do what I'm looking for instantly. I customize by search, deadline, price, seller reviews are probably the ones I use the most and a lot of other factors. There's just no guessing games and it's very, very quick. I encourage you guys to check out fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order today by using my code TOP. T-O-P. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R dot com code top. Again, that's Fiverr.com code top. What determines if it goes from 9% of gross monthly receipts down to 5% of gross monthly receipts? It's the, I think they, they basically put a cap in terms of uh, for the first, I think, million dollars per year in cash receipts. It's about 9%, if I remember correctly. And then between 
from anywhere over 1 million to I think 1.5 or 2 million, it's 5%. And then if it goes beyond 2 million, then it's like 0.1% or something like that. Got it. So just to summarize, again, I've heard of terms, I've interviewed many people that have raised from lighter, but there's essentially a repayment cap, which is usually between 1.4 and 2x the total loan. You said you're at about 1.4, it sounds like. So if you raise yep. 250,000 total, what you're going to pay back total over time is about 350,000 or 1.4x the 250. And the way that you pay that back is going to be right now about 9% of your gross monthly receipts. And that could drop if you grow pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I don't quite recall if 9% is accurate, but somewhere around that range. How do you compare that to just regular debt where it's just a flat, simple to understand interest rate? In other words, if I asked you, what's the interest on this money? How would you try and calculate that? Yeah, it's not that straightforward. I think we just took it, you know, based on the simple math that are we, if we're going to get this 100K, are we going to generate revenue that's way more than 140K or not, right? And if it is, then that's what we need, right? So we didn't really, I, I mean, we did, I think, talk to a bank, in Bank of America as our banker, we did talk to them, but there was lots of complications. And also they said, we can give you a maximum of 40K, 50K, something like that, which wasn't sufficient at the point that we raised. And we had a good relationship with Lighter. So that's what we went with. And what's your monthly recurring revenue today? So we're, in terms of ARR, we're about 1.1, close to 1.1 million. Um, so 90, 91, 92, something like that in terms of MRR. Yeah. So, so Lighter can usually go up to like three or 4X of your MRR, which is exactly what it looks like. It sounds like here. If you want to continue scaling the company and using debt, right, so that you and your founders keep owning 100% of the equity, where would you go or how would you think about a bigger debt deal? What do you mean? Like, would we be raising more debt or would, would we be doing equity? Is that your question? Yeah. You, I mean, you. there's two types of founders, founders that want headlines and want to go for a billion dollar win, which is high risk. And those that want to keep as much of their company as possible and build it to a $10 million profitable thing that they can get rich off of which are you i'm the second one i mean we call that value SaaS. actually i don't know if you've heard that before but what we mean by value SaaS is creating value for every stakeholder so right like founders for sure but employees um you know customers making sure everybody has value in this equation is what we build for so yeah we're certainly going to be uh, not going to be type a which is like raise tons of money and hopefully get there um, but yeah, we're more of, I mean, at this point, money is not really our bottleneck. There's a few things that we're solving for, but whenever money is a bottleneck, I think we will raise a little bit of debt uh, to keep us going. What's the bottleneck? I think marketing um, for me is, I think, the key bottleneck from a brand story. I think we just haven't really done that well. I mean, so far we've been focused on outbound sales, right? So we've done SDR, AEs. We go outbound, reach out to every single university and high school, um, you know, see if they, they're interested in what we're doing. But from a marketing perspective, inbound demand gen, et cetera, we haven't really done a lot. And so that's really the next few months for me in terms of focus. Interesting. What's the team size today? How many folks? So we're 25 people total. And how many engineers? Five, six engineers, uh, okay. two product managers. Yeah. And do you have, is this price point, a price point where you can put salespeople on it with quota? Do you have any quota carrying sales folks? Yeah, we have quota carrying sales folks. We have three account executives and three SDRs. All of them have quotas, obviously, top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, et cetera. Um, 
And yeah, so it, it works out for us, um, you know, because some of our people are in India and some of our people are in the US um, and, and we do some of us shuttle back and forth as well. And I mean, I, if I were to build this team entirely in, let's say, the San Francisco Bay Area, it's never going to work out uh, with that, that kind of price point. But yeah, we do have an advantage in being able to, uh, you know, hire people from lower cost locations. You wouldn't have raised the debt if you didn't see a way to reinvest to drive growth, which probably means you're burning a little bit of capital per month right now. About how much are you burning? But actually not at this point. I mean, we have significantly cut down costs in March when we started seeing COVID hit. And like, you know, we wanted to obviously, you know, play it safe at that point. Uh, so our current uh, monthly spend is about 65 to 70K per month. Uh, so you're so profiting about, about 20, 20K per month right now. Yeah, a little over that. I mean, because... One is the, I mean, we spoke about sort of the recurring revenue, but we also have other sources of revenue, which is, like I said, a little bit of transaction charges. We do, uh, for every new customer, we do have like an implementation and set up and training cost, which is like one time upfront. Kind How of much cost. is that usually? Um, it depends. Again, like it's anywhere between three to $5,000 one time, um, right? But we also sometimes give a discount and things like that. So roughly right now, for example, this year we're projecting that to be about 100, 150K in terms of like one time. Obviously, that's not going to record next year unless we get new customers. That's one. But we're also starting to play a little more in the professional services side. So now we're actually going in, not just giving our software to schools, but then we're saying, hey, like what are the parts of the alumni program that you want to run better? We're going to come help you because we work with 250 schools. Uh, we understand how this works for different kinds of institutions. We're going to help you run the program, etc. Again, that's a new idea. We've been only doing that for about two to three months, especially since COVID, uh, given the layoffs and things like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that that becomes a much bigger uh, piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. And how many donations GMV have gone through your platform, say in 2019? Ah. Uh, I don't have that off the top of my head, but the only stat that I do remember is very recently about, so 5th of May, I think it was, was called Giving Tuesday Now. Uh, it was like this one big charitable donation day. And on that day, I think we processed a little over $2 million uh, in terms of donations for our customers. That's one your, number that I remember. What's your thesis on scaling the sort of take a percent of the donations model, right? Which can be lower touch and potentially grow pretty quick. Yeah, so I mean... I think we want to sort of use the fundraising not as an, I think where we really uh, do well is when people have all of our products, right? Like we run the end-to-end sort of alumni program from data to engagement to fundraising. Um, so we don't really see a lot of value. I mean, we do give, you know, uh, customers the ability to try no cost, but only a transaction fee for, for one campaign just to give it a shot. And then we say, okay, you have to pay a subscription to be able to keep it going, Right. I don't really see a lot of value in just saying just pay as a cut because we're going to law we're going to get a lot of you know um, noise in terms of the kind of customers that we attract. We want to be really focused on the kind of customers that where it makes sense to have all of our products. Mm-hmm. And what is your current CAC right now to get these new customers? So I did put this map together. Um, I think our CAC from a lead gen perspective is obviously different for different channels, but I think it averages out to about $1,500 to $2,000 per customer in terms of lead gen. Uh, And then if I add the cost of the account executive as well, including salaries, uh, commissions, and things like that, that's another $2,000. So it comes comes out to about, uh, you know, between $3,500 to uh, $4,000 to essentially bring in a new customer. So yeah, the payback... That, that we look at is somewhere between six to nine months um, 
in terms of payback. Yeah, very good. All right, Kayla, uh, Kayla, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. I read a lot of uh, biographies. I don't know if I have a favorite business book, but I, I would probably pick uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Watts. That's one What's of my your favorite, favorite bio? Books. Elon Musk. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. Number number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Yeah, Grish Matrabhutam from Freshworks. Yep. When are they going to IPO? <laughs> I couldn't tell you, but I love him for his uh, storytelling abilities. I mean, that's one thing that I'm trying to learn from him. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Amobase? I love Asana. That's number, been something that we've used right from the beginning. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? About six hours. Okay. And situation, married, single kids? Married, um, 33 years old, one kid. She's one year old. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. Last question here, uh, Kalyan. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I keep telling this to myself all the time. Uh, do less and get more done. <laughs> Guys, Almabase, helping alumni programs have a better relationship with their alumni communities and ideally raise more capital. They've got several hundred schools on the platform doing about one point, or, uh, yeah, about 1.1 million in terms of run rate right now. Uh, 240 customers or schools. They've raised 500,000 bucks to do this. Their cash flow positive about 20,000 bucks a month, 25 on the team, six engineers. They look to continue to scale, spending four grand to get a new $500 a month customer. So six to nine month payback period. Kalyan, we're rooting for you, man. Thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. Have a good one.